0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Babbling Pastor Podcast, where we got you know just sort of a coffee shop feel going for you, and that's legit where Rob is right now, a coffee shop. Yeah, and yeah. you'll notice that most of the meetings you have as a pastor, even though it's like sort of some ex evangelical joke about having coffee with people, you will have a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of meals with people as a pastor. So today we're going to be talking about maybe if you're a young pastor, maybe if you're a church member just wanting to know the inside thoughts of your pastor this may actually be the episode that congregants are more interested in perhaps but it's going to be church structure why do we do the things we do and why are we changing any of it because grandma did it this way and so did the person before her what's that tv screen up there we gonna get fog in here next week that sort of thing like why do we do the things that we do and sometimes and
1: and why don't we experience the glory cloud
0: (laughs) we don't have the budget for the glory cloud i don't have i don't have a glitter budget (laughs) so (laughs) our 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 our, uh, ac system is not built for the glory cloud because it would come from the ground not from the ceiling in our case it would would come up from the bottom that's legit yeah what the the glory cloud's coming up from hell what's happening
1: Yeah, pretty sure that's where theirs comes from too.
0: (laughs) Well, this isn't episode about Bethel, guys. This is an episode about church structure. Uh, So, one of the things I know we've talked about it. You've hinted at it a lot of the times on previous podcasts. You guys have went through a lot of maybe restructuring and sort of ministry, sort of the how you do things, why you do the. I know one episode you mentioned you got rid of the pews and you got like tables and chairs and it sort of was like a what moment for some people like, what is happening here? And, um, oh my gosh, if they did that at my church, I did this, Oh, it'd be terrible. Well, we put up a screen with a projector and some people had a real issue with that. Um, so uh, jokes aside, hopefully in this, in this episode, we can kind of talk about the reality that like there are some things that really disrupt the congregants a little bit, but why is the pastor sometimes that's necessary? And maybe probably more on the, the pastoral side, how to handle that. Well, like, you're not going to be able to repair all that. You're not going to be able to communicate all of it, but how to handle situations well so that you sort of mitigate as much of the confusion or backlash or anger as possible. So, Maybe to do that, you can sort of give us a real brief how you guys sort of structure change and kind of what you experienced in that a little
1: bit. Uh, yeah, so it, I think um, it's really been an ongoing thing Yeah. Um, in some respect. Um, and,
2: and I think it should be an ongoing thing.
1: And uh, um, I, I, that's, that's maybe something to talk about
2: really here as well is that there's...
1: And in fact, one of the changes is, has been over the past, I don't know, five years or something. Um, the, the congregation that we have has become used to changes happening here and there. Um, and, and that's super healthy <laughs> for them. Because, I mean, I, one of the things that it guards against is this um, sacred cow kind of way of thinking about things that you, um, that you have been invested in or whatever. Um, and it, it's, it's actually, um, that's a good point. Really, it's really healthy for a church to be able to look at you know, at any program or any piece of our service, um, and say, is this doing what it should Um, And if not, can we fix it or redeem it or should we scrap it and put the energy elsewhere? Um, Because so I think about it like stewardship, it it is stewardship. Um, When we think about stewardship, we think about cash flow most of the time, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. as as a as a leader in the church, I I as well as the other guys are responsible for stewarding our people well, and and so part of that is um, you know, gifting um, and um, what are your talents and interests and just God uh, puts that stuff in you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I'm not. I'm not going to put you um, in the Juana program as a worker if there's a chance that you will go to prison for killing one of our children, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and just, if that's not
0: quite your gift, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that doesn't make any sense. To, to, mm-hmm. you, so you you have to do some analysis, right? <laughs> right. Um, and um, and you. So we just recently through this with our youth group. Um, our youth group was um, not not working in a way in which it was uh, fulfilling what it should be mm-hmm. right um, and so we short versioned we stopped it didn't have it for a few weeks while we were figuring it out we mm-hmm. booted it um, and we uh, so you, you got to be willing to do stuff like
0: that. Yeah. Um, yeah, not just do something because you're supposed to do it. Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah to be able to cut it off if you need to.
1: And, and unless there's some sort of this is important too unless there's some sort of you know like emergency sin situation mm-hmm. um you know elder so and so was found out cheating on his wife you know, or whatever, and he leads this ministry or whatever um, unless there's something major like that going on all of this kind of stuff should happen slowly
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it is a lot easier for people to deal with change if it gets talked about a lot, if they, if, if the elders, if in our particular situation, if our elders have spent lots of time thinking through scenarios, praying through it, what does scripture say? um how should we be doing this if we're not doing it right that all of that sort of stuff it's a process it's not like you know I think I think it'd be better have tables in the back right so we just do it one thing um so we we have (laughs) one of our elders always likes to say too um he said this with the tables he said this when we changed how we did communion um and other things but 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 he likes to say if if i um, visit and come for the first time this week then i'm just going to think that's how it always has been like that's going to be the normal right yeah um, so it's only it's only the people who have been coming for a long time that that, that tends to be a battle yeah um, but um, it, sometimes sometimes you attempt to make really little changes and it's like too much right for some folks we, we've had people leave um, this has been a long time ago now but we've had people uh, leave because um, the, the men weren't up in the front
2: who um, were gonna serve communion um, and it really was just a, a preference
1: thing they, they felt like it it was not as it wasn't being treated as holy as it should have been um, and, and I get that I mean I, I hear them but when COVID happened I promise you the church they're going to stop doing it that way and they were fine mm-hmm. with it <laughs> you know yeah. So, um, it, it it's healthy if you can get there I think that you're you're going to nip a lot of this in the butt if you can get there um to to drill it into your people that it's not it's not necessarily about um changing things for the sake of changing things yeah Um, so i'm i'm a uh, reformed baptist okay so um, the the idea uh, Semper Reformanda comes from uh, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, um, and this this idea—it's just it's Latin and it means always reforming. And the the point behind that is not always reforming just for the sake of doing it and trying something new, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. always reforming um, back to this more and more and more. Any, anything that we see that is losing its focus from the word anything that we see that's losing its focus from from what it should be accomplishing um, then it's it's up for grabs right i mean it's something that that we yeah we have we have um, not only do we as a church have a response we, we have an obligation um, to ensure that, um, that if, if you have a children's ministry like our church is about a hundred and Thirty people, 140 people. If you have um, a children's ministry that takes 50 people to work it every Wednesday night, it would it would be huge to to ensure that 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 is accomplishing what what it is supposed to be accomplishing. Otherwise, man, that is a lot of time and energy and people, yeah, effort and. Um, to be pouring into something that's not really doing anything but checking some box we feel like we need to check Mm -hmm. Um, and so renovating uh, being willing to renovate ministries to make more sense or to function better being willing to scrap it and push something else in its place that will work better Um, so I yeah it's it's important to be flexible I think yeah Um,
0: no for sure and i think one of the things you said there that people don't like we all know is true but we don't really pay attention to very much is the uh taking the time and going slow with it like making sure that like it's it has the intended effect that you you set out for the purpose for it to have right so one of the things um we too had people leave uh, it, it, here's the thing. Sometimes the people that will leave are not the people you would expect to leave. I mean, these are, uh, when it happened, it was sort of mind-blowing to me. So they, they, The intent was to add um, some, which we still do, but to, to put the words up on the screen uh, for certain hymns or for certain songs that we have just to, as an extra sort of the, the words on the screen were just for the added extra benefit of having them up on the screen yeah um but it was also for to you know for the worship team worship team if you want to call it that uh to sing some more contemporary music or some contemporary hymns right now we put the screen up and automatically there was this assumption that we were going like i don't even what was the term there's I forget the term they use, moderate or something. I wasn't involved in these conversations. I just, I know these people. And they were, they, now again, some of this had come, and I think an important topic to talk about on this is people's history really determines how they react to this. So these particular people had come from a church that had went to a very seeker sensitive sort of direction and it just destroyed the church. But that started with them putting up screens and projectors and contemporary music. And for these people that I'm talking about, in their head, they saw this idea that, you know, our church was going the same direction. Like, just based on the screens. Again, I'm not saying it's a rational thought. I'm just saying that that's what they made the connection of. And no matter, as far as I can tell, no matter how much. You know, in good faith conversations, the pastor had with them. They just didn't. They were like, if this is, if you guys are going to sing contemporary music and have screens up, we're not, we're not going to attend anymore. And the unfortunate part is these guys are like really bil- biblically knowledgeable. <laughs> like they're great volunteers. They love the local church. And for whatever reason, for them, that was a thing for them. Like they, they found a, what's called around our area, I'm not sure what it's called around yours, is like a primitive Baptist church which fits its name. Like it's just hymns. There's no electrical instruments. Like that's, I don't know. That's it's a conviction for them. So they went that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to know that like, there's going to be people that no matter how many good faith conversations you have about this, no matter how you approach it, they're just not going to like it. But secondly, to, to not be like, well, they're not going to like it anyway. Just bulldoze through it. Like who cares? And just knock as many people out of the way as you need to. Like, (laughs) to go slow to you know some things like you said with the tables right the new people are just going to assume that's always there to like to have the wisdom to explain what you need to explain and not to explain what you don't need to explain like from the pulpit you don't need to be like hey just so you know there's tables in the back now guys like there's gonna be things to like figure out, you know, what do you yeah. need to tell people and what don't you? And approach it, like you said, with this idea, because obviously everybody listening to this isn't necessarily a, a, a Baptist church. But to know that like everything that we're doing needs to go back to the word. So one of the things that people are scared to death to do, like you like you're talking about, is to be like, we need just to stop this ministry for a minute and refocus because the automatic thing is if we stop this, our volunteers are going to come back. The people that are coming, are not going to come back. Like this whole system is going to fall apart. And the whole, the thing you really have to realize is, is this system worth having? Like aside from all Listen, of these
1: concerns, if the volunteers, <laughs> honestly, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a sign yeah that it's not it's not healthy anyway if and yeah. that happened a lot over covid yeah a oh, lot yeah. like when churches stopped for like whatever however long uh, for yeah. us it was like 5 weeks or something mm-hmm. that we didn't do it while we were assessing um yeah. but but when yeah. we came back and when other churches came back there are stories that a lot of churches have in which it was um, man, now we have no one that wants to teach Sunday school or no one that wants to do this or that. Um, that's, that's a church health thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also a ministry health thing. If people saw the, saw the actual value in this thing, they would dive into it. People want to serve and do the things that will help, right? But if they're not convinced this is doing anything, then you'll know that by them not coming back. Yeah. To that, to that service. Thing. No,
0: and that's a good point. Uh, the idea of saying, "Hey, if, if your Sunday school teacher isn't willing to come back after COVID, why were they teaching Sunday school?" <laughs> like that's a that should be a red flag. Uh, but yeah, being able to, to cut off what's not working, being able to say, "We're we're going to go do this," and I know you're not gonna like it, but like I want to at least talk to you about what what is your problem because I I think at the core of this entire conversation is what you talked about at the very beginning. There are golden calf ministries in every church that we've always done it. And usually at the core of it, the one person that's mad is usually the person that's mad is because like, this has been their baby forever. And maybe it's not getting the fruit it used to, but they're holding on to it because, oh, but I've always done it. Um, and really being as a pa- and this is where the pastoral, I think care and counseling comes in, is being willing to have that conversation, be patiently walking them through this, being able to ask, you know, get asking, asking them questions rather than telling them this is what we're doing. Like, all right. So why is this important to you? Why is this a big deal? Like, why is like, why are you so like, what's the core? Why are you really upset about this? And, and, and talking to them about it and say, you know, just just trying as much as you can to get them on the same page because oftentimes i found at least anytime you try to shift things up it's almost always because they've either always done it that way and because they've always done it that way now it's like this thing that if you change church isn't the same anymore and two usually it's because they're they're just afraid to change it's just if you if you don't do it this way is it really church anymore Um,
2: Yep. So, yeah.
0: So it's one of those things where it's usually one of the two. And if you can get that figured out, um, then you're going to mitigate as much of the problems as possible. You're never going to make everybody happy. But if you can get the ministry running in such a way, I'll say this. If you're a new pastor and you get hired and you walk into a church, you're probably gonna see things right away that you're gonna need to tweak a bit. And to be able to say, what order do I wanna do this in? What's gonna be most effective? And how can I do this in a way, because you're not gonna have any capital capital at that point. You're just gonna be the new guy wanting to shift everything up. So how can I be gracious in my approach and saying, You know, again, this is where I think the asking questions is more helpful than demanding that we're doing this and saying, hey, this youth ministry, for example, been going on for a long time, being led by these people forever. Okay, that's good. Like, what are they actually learning in here, though? Like. What's, what What benefit is, is XYZ doing to actually disciple these kids and asking the questions to get them thinking along that line, right? I'm not, my point is to get them thinking the same thoughts that I'm thinking. Like why, you
2: know, if, for example,
0: if all of these kids are smoking pot outside the building and the youth leader is like, ah, eh, like, all right. So what are we doing like this effective with this ministry? Then? Um, like how are we, how are we really guiding these kids? and getting them thinking along the same way. Now you may find some disturbing things that you don't want to hear that they're like, ah, it's okay. And then at that point (laughs) you've got a bigger job ahead of you because then it's just complacency.
1: So good luck. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that when, um, taking it slow is important, but I think one of one of the things too that that is good to know
2: is um,
1: as as pastor or elder or even deacon or or whatever any any sort of leadership position or as a congregant knowing that this is the order that your leadership has to follow um or that hopefully they're following is um so uh, and and uh, growing up uh, we were involved in some churches where uh, there was a particular family that was powerful, for lack of a better way to put it, right? Um, and that—that's—that's, that's, huh? You're muted or something?
0: I was muted. I'm sorry. I said well-known. Yes.
1: Yeah. No. And that's 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 something that that is not uncommon. Oh no! Right? Yeah. Like um to, to have one uh partiality <laughs> yeah right that where there's there's a family and you just know better than to get them upset about something right well that's not how we do things um and there, there's an order that you must go in right and so scripture is absolutely first right um and because scripture is first uh and we believe what it says that means that the sheep are directly after that, and so if one if one sheep or one family of sheep um, demands some sort of change, or stands in the way of some sort of change that is good for all the sheep, um, then then we lovingly and I mean, man, the, the attempt attempting to do literally whatever it takes to bring them along and love them well during that but but it doesn't it doesn't stop the the thing that's gonna be the best biblically for all of the rest of the sheep. Um, and in some ways that's easier. What is more difficult is when something is recognized in scripture and brought up by one sheep or a few sheep. And and when that happens, again, Scripture being first, that's your obligation. Mm -hmm. So your obligation is to Scripture, even if it means 15 or 20 people leave. Your obligation is to Scripture. Now, if 15 or 20 people leave because you're a bonehead and how you deal with it and bring it up and you just push it no matter what kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. and your attitude is is leave if you don't like it, then that's your fault not the scriptures yeah <laughs> but but i'm sure sh- there are going to be instances that that you may run into in which so, so we just had we just had someone bring something up that frankly i battled with already a little bit but somebody brought something up um, and it was legit you know like something that that we have needed to change for a while but it's like you really just don't know maybe how to go about it or whatever um and uh so to throw it out there to the public we've we've stopped um in its tracks (laughs) any any uh participation or um uh, any participation with or singing of songs written by a Hillsong, hill song elevation bethel carrie Job. some of these folks who are who are um in- incredibly like dripping of not only bad doctrine but like her- heretical doctrine and things mm. that like every time we sing that song we're paying them um little bit and so um that was brought up i had already felt conviction here and there about it and like thinking through it or whatever um and and i think maybe just knowing that hey somebody else sees this too um it it helps that along right yeah that's not something that you know our our people just come and sing whatever's on the screen sometimes. Yeah, and so it's not that's not something that you need to have a big meeting and talk it out and all of that. You just make the change, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your worship team is on board, and that's fine. Literally, all I had to do to bring them on board was I, I spliced three videos together of each of these churches just doing their thing. Mm -hmm. and all even all of the worship leaders were like yeah we can't pay them to keep doing that it wasn't a difficult thing yeah but but that's an example of something that could be difficult and -hmm. and, um, hard to walk through because there there certainly are people who are invested in in that music because it's powerful and not all of yeah doctrinally in error or anything yeah but
0: no, I think one of the things that I we haven't talked about that I'm glad you brought up because I think is important is that there will be almost certainly in your ministry at some point, a congregant or a family within a congregation that is going to try to because they've been able to do it for every other pastor. They're going to try to do it to you to sort of over over you or to sway decisions in the church. Now, again. In my opinion, if uh, you come to be a pastor in the way that we see in Scripture, which is up through uh, you're a member and then you're you know an elder and then you can kind of, I mean I, I think again that yep. way is going to be so much easier because <clears throat> you know these people and they know you. But if you get hired into a church, I can almost guarantee you um, you're going to run into that and you're going to have to contend with that. And sometimes. You're not going to be able to talk your way through that situation. It will be they will destroy you and do everything they can to push you out of that that church because they've done it to six other pastors and they're not going to let you stand in their way. Or if you do push back uh, in, in such a way that for whatever reason they decide to leave, they are going to leave with a a big resounding firework compilation behind them. And so you're just going to have to kind of deal with that as graciously as possible. Um, and in that regard, I've, I've not dealt with that, but I've known many people that have, and the best advice that they've had is to make sure you get counsel from other pastors, that you're in relationship with other pastors that can help you through that. You're going to need moral support. You just are. Even if you're just doing structural changes, you're going to need moral support from other pastors. But especially yep. if you run into people that are just walls, that aren't, they refuse to move because we've always done service this way. We're never going to do service any other way. And you're going to run into people, for example, with your example that you have where it's a certain type of music and they're the only person that can sing really well. And they're like, well, if we're not singing this music, I'm not singing. And you're just going to have to say, I guess we're not singing then. Like, I just Mm -hmm. guess that's what we're doing. And you're going to have to be very gracious in that, but you're going to have, again, there's a reason there's qualifications. And there's a reason that pastors are supposed to have uh, integrity and supposed to have a backbone and supposed to be able to stand up to people. It's because of situations similar to this, that you're able to contend well in situations. So,
1: Yeah. um, The... You have to be able as the pastor or elder, um, in this situation in which a major change, a major enough change that it could cause a big upheaval or, or Mm -hmm. maybe you're in the middle of a change that is causing that, um, you, you have your, your first and foremost obligation is. To be able at the end of it and all the way through it to be able to say but thus says the lord yeah right i mean that that's then then you're not to blame at all if if you're if you're (laughs) if the change is because of scripture if you're following that scripture if you're being gentle like mm-hmm. we're told to be, if you're yeah. loving people through it the way that we're told, if, if you can walk through that with a clear conscience saying, but God's word says, mm-hmm. right? Um, then, then your conscience, it doesn't mean that you won't be emotional about it. It doesn't mean that it won't suck to walk through, but it does mean that you should have a clear conscience at the end of it. And um, and And on the flip side of that, um, on the flip side of that, young guys, you're gonna um, you're gonna jump in sometimes to some sort of change that you're convinced needs to happen, um, and you won't be able to say, "But God says." Yeah. Right. And if you can't say, "But God says," then the change, though it might be a good move, or or it might. Even be more healthy than what you're doing right now. You have to handle it with a lot more kid gloves, and you have to and you have to bring it to the table like this, rather than like this, right? Yeah. Um, because any change that isn't dictated because you've discovered something in the word that you didn't realize or whatever, um is expendable in some way. Um, and so I think. The, again it, it really falls down to scripture i'm um i'm a regulative principle guy yeah, when it comes to worship and so um i uh here's here's the big pen to pull out of the grenade right um uh altar calls not biblical um it's it's just not uh, and and uh, i mean we grew up with that and a lot of <laughs> I was like the
0: backbone of all the things we did. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying right from the get-go is that this service, this is for unbelievers to come to know Christ. That's the main purpose of it. Um, When it's absolutely not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, There are venues that that makes sense for. There are certain texts that I have to preach that, that at the end of it, I might say, listen, if this is, if this has convicted you, if you're not a believer, please go talk to one of our elders and they'd love to pray with you or that sort of thing. Um, or, uh, you know, Christmas and Easter, right? Those kinds of times. I'm a lot more cognizant that look, there are people here who have Christians, right? Um, but, but to, to have a perpetual, time at the end of the service for for you to come and get saved if you're not Mm -hmm. Um, that that's at at best inappropriate uh, based on the actual reason for sunday yeah uh, worship so that would be one of those things Um, yeah and
0: that that would be believe it or not not having an altar call in some churches is a structural change that is very disruptive to people they don't know what to i've been asked before I've been asked by people very close to me, like, why don't you ever do an altar call? And I, then I have an opportunity to explain that to them. Now, again, I'm not the main pastor. I preach once a month. So it's like every fourth Sunday, you're not gonna get an altar call. But the idea is that um, that that is a, a disruptive change enough to some people, depending on their context, that they will wonder why. And then again, in those situations, you just walk them through the why um, and, not expect again it's one of those things where you don't expect everyone to agree with you but my goal i think again i'm not in full time ministry i'm not a pastor of the <laughs> church but my goal in the position that i do have is to just to get you thinking about why you think it is a must like in sure. any of these ministries yep. why why is it for you a have to thing and if i can get you thinking in that direction my goal isn't to to sway you to my persuasion my goal is to say is this biblical and there's been lots of things lots of things that some bigger some smaller that people just asking me that question has made me have to dive into scripture and change my my view on it. and that's the whole goal here is like like you said we're totally reforming to what does scripture say right yep. there are some churches that i know that don't have children's church during church because they have went to Scripture and they're convinced and convicted enough that the children should be with their families during service. And, but that's been a very long process for them to go through, to really reason through, and they lost some people over. it. And it's one of those things where I think in each of these instances, again, like I cannot stress enough why qualifications for pastoral ministry is important because to do what you're going to have to do as a pastor, is going to require all of those qualifications um, yep. to, to be able to to walk through this with people in all the not just this instance in all of the things we've talked about this month um, and to do it well. So, yeah,
1: yeah, you you have to be willing to do whatever whatever Scripture tells you to do. Yeah, period.
0: With in, with integrity and with gentleness, but yet also yep. by standing firm and being bold. Like it's just this weird yep. mix of that um, weird mix of qualifications and uh, characteristics of an individual that um, you don't always find, which is why it's one of those things that you really have to, you know, um, just ask and question. You know, some of these guys that are coming up and saying, you know, you really want to do this? Are you sure? Okay, uh, and, and dig in. So, any any sort of last words on this um, structure thing before we end? Maybe a big takeaway. or...
1: Um, no, I the, the takeaway is what you just said, you know, that at, at the end of the day, the, the idea I hope that has been, um, you know, there, there have been some practical things hopefully that have been helpful, but but the, the the idea to walk away with, um, for for anyone, I think, um, if you forget everything else we've said, um, walk away with know the word and stand on it um and 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 for some people they're they're not for some people all of us are like this there there are parts of the world that you don't like necessarily <laughs> that, that are a lot more difficult um, yeah. than others and so um you got to stand on those too right and um and it's it's a lot more like think about think about the long term rather than the short term struggle that this might cause right yeah um, long, long term, I I have to stand before God on Judgment Day, and I will be judged based on how I ministered to and led God's sheep at Hillside Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Yeah. Um, and so I better take that seriously, um, and, and uh, you know what God says to do should probably be first. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Over the happiness of someone else or the demands. Yes, exactly. All right. Well guys, hopefully that's helpful. It's one of those things that, um, hopefully the last four episodes have been particularly helpful for, People that are thinking about ministry or on the path to ministry we don't claim to know it all clearly uh, we can't even prepare <laughs> prepare podcast episodes but hopefully some of that has been helpful and if you're a congregant and you're in a church hopefully this has given you a little insight into your pastor's brain uh, or maybe hopefully how they process some things to help you even though sometimes those are like struggle in how they do it um, for you so i'm hoping that has been helpful for you as well so guys Thanks for tuning in. Next month, we don't even know what we're talking about. But you'll find out when. Oh,
1: that was true this month as well.
0: That's true. Oh, But we have so much fun. I hope you guys have fun yeah. too. Uh, we'll talk to you next month. See you later. Bye-bye.